you're taking control of the situation. That's a very good way of putting it, rather than letting it take control of you. The effort we're putting in now, and there's a lot of effort now going on, I'm not underestimating what people are going through now, even at the moment, but it's just looking ahead to the 10th of March, 15th of March, 20th of March, when it really comes like the clappers, like, you know, that it will stand to you then. That's the real win in this. Hello, I'm Stuart Childs, and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. National cell count is beginning to move in the wrong direction with the last number of years. Today I'm talking with Don Crowley, a milk quality specialist, about a suggested protocol that farmers can implement on their farms to stay in control of cell count from the start of lactation. I started that by asking Don to explain the first step, which is to establish a dedicated area in the shed for freshly calved cows and what the benefits of this is. Yeah, it is, Stuart, like, right, and everything you said there, and we are noticing it's slipping, and I suppose as the national herd consolidates in size and that the heifer numbers might pull back, we won't have the luxury of the heifers to compensate for some of this. But there's probably a few little easy wins in that fresh group, and there's a couple of things that I would say in it is, number one, it's to realise where that group is. It's a very vulnerable group. It's a fresh group, so it's it's vulnerable. It's trying to find its feet now again, coming into lactation. So after going through birth and so forth, is there after births, is there subclinical milk fevers and all this? And I think to try and help the cow to get through this, I suppose there's three things I see. Number one, in the fresh group, is there an adequate amount of gubbles for that group as they come in? Because what I've noticed is that there's three, four, five, ten cows, depending on their scale, being added every day, but the cubicles aren't being allocated accordingly. And a freshly calved cow needs to be able to lie down, it can't be bulling, and it needs fresh drinking water. And and that's one thing I think is an easy win for them. Just allocate, when you add your four, your ten cows, up the cubicle numbers appropriately. Make sure, and ideally it should be more, you know, you should be 10% extra, but at least match it. And, and then... I suppose this, the second thing then is is from that group then is that that area should be lined twice a day. The disinfectant lime is a help. You're trying to minimise the challenge that's inside in that area. And I suppose the third thing that's an easy win for that is is using something like a barrier dip as a post dip for the fresh group after the calf where you physically dip them in the cup. Anecdotally, we're getting very good results with that with the fresh group. Okay, and uh, so Dan, I suppose what you're saying there is maybe people might have decided to go with the fresh fresh cow group and they, they move a gate or they put in a gate, obviously, in the cubicle house to facilitate this group. And what you're seeing is that they're not actually changing the position of that gate depending on the number of the, the cows that are there. And that means that there could be a fresh cow group, effectively, that there might be 20 cows inside in an area that might have only 15 cubicles or something like that. So there's cows standing around. Um, obviously, it's dirtier as a, as a result of the traffic in and out of the cubicle. So every time a cow gets up, another one is waiting to get into it. Um, so that, that cubicle is going to be dirtier then as a result. So is, is it just making it something a simple adjustment to make sure that the gate is easy to move, I suppose, is probably the big thing that people need to learn, is it? It is. And like if you think how short, like most fellas will keep that fresh group to one one row. Say say we'll just say for twenty unit parallel, we'll just think they'll keep it to one row. So that means there's twenty cubicles. Like the, the cows 
probably next week, weather permitting, they'll be out by day and by night. But the fresh group will be in day and night until day four, day five, day six. Every fella's a little bit different, but that's usually what fellas will work because they'll be only walking in and out the place. They're awkward around the place, roaring for calves. But as you say, develop a gait that's easy to move. You know, that's secure because, you know, and I'm breaking out or mixing it. And, but that, that, because once, if the group is fairly steady that it will stay at 20 cows plus or minus, there isn't much moving in that fresh group once it's done right the first time. Do you know? But, and, and then it's a case of allocating the cubicles for the, the calved cows then, you know, up and down. But that fresh group, especially, because especially if you're out by day and by night, the cows are getting some, which they will be, ground permitting now and whether there'll be a lot of people will be thinking ahead note next week or this week yeah so you're saying effectively nearly give them more cubicles than they need if, um, and leave it at that and then adjust the other and, and that takes out the job of having to change it around regularly effectively so it does because it's, it's, it's what you're trying to do is the, with the volume of work that lads have for these couple of weeks it's something that you can do you know what's right and forget about it like, and and that's like it's easy for me to say move up and down, and I, they should be adjusted accordingly. But like, the reality is people just don't have the time to do it. So go away and say right, there won't be more than twenty cows in the group, give or take. If that's the scale you're at, we'll allocate your twenty cubicles for the fresh group, and that's it. And then yeah. they'll leave it at that. If it's fifteen, they still have their twenty cubicles. It could be down to twelve, up to twenty, whatever it is. Leave it alone. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, uh, and I suppose the other thing that's important there is the feed space, I suppose, in terms of, I think, uh, from my own perspective, it's the heifer coming in that, that I think that fresh cow group is great for a young animal coming into the herd for the first time. You throw that heifer into a group of 50 or 60 freshly calved cows there that are, we'll say, after calved a week or 10 days, they're at risk of being bullied there. Whereas when you put them into that group of 12 or 15, as you said there, I'm not saying they're not going to be bullied, but there's there's a lesser chance that they're going to get shoved around the place, like, and they'll transition into the herd situation a, a lot easier. And, and that's uh, by using that fresh cow group, I think. Oh, definitely. Sort of. And like, if you have a drafting gate facility, then that can be done automatically into that group, like, if the setup is there. But it, look, that all depends, which you're 100% right. Like, the principle of what you're saying is bang on because heifers going into those cows, freshly camp, there'll be no fighting because those cows. Are concentrating they're all a bit tender, right? <laughs> and yeah. staying up, they're not going to go fighting, you know. <laughs> yeah, and then trying to fill their belly and stuff like so. It is. It's a very safe environment for from a heifer point of view, especially these timid heifers. Now, if they're a little bit of a tough calving or something like that, no, predominantly heifers won't. But you never know. Like some fellas might have a stock bull that throw a couple of false ones or something, you know. Yeah. So Dan, I suppose inside in the parlour, then this is kind of so outside in the cubicle house, the twice a day liming, that dedicated area for them with plenty of space, plenty of feed space as well. But inside in the parlour, then what are the steps that people need to take in there in order to try to minimise uh, infections at that stage of the year? Like again, as you said there a few minutes ago, this fresh cow group is a vulnerable group. We have to allow for, okay, they might be perfectly healthy, they mightn't have milk fevers or anything like that, but they're still vulnerable because they just had a calf and that they're at risk of, of picking up infections and there may be issues around teeth not closing up properly. So that's why we're talking about disinfecting the, the cubicle so uh, diligently, I suppose. The what about what about the the role of the person in the parlour themselves? Then what the, what do they have to do? Yeah, I suppose like the reality. I suppose George at farm level, you're dealing with probably three options. Number one, there is a fresh group, and they're either milked first or last. 
And then you have the probably the smaller operator where they're all in the pot together. And there's a strap or a marking system for the freshly calved cow, but they're all in the pot together. Mm-hmm. So if you take the group where I have my fresh calf group, some not many, but some people will milk them first because they want the milk for the workers or the small fellas to go away feeding calves while you're with the main group. That's, I suppose, there's an inherent risk in that in the sense antibiotics getting into the main milk is going to be flushed. It's not as popular. The majority of people will milk the main herd first. If there's two people, one fellow will go off liming cubicles and then the two people are there for the fresh group then at the end. No, the fresh group, if you think about it, are a vulnerable group. They're a vulnerable group. They're a group. They're freshly calved. And I'm going to check a lot of those cows, make sure the sealer is gone. There's no mastitis. So I should, in my opinion, I think you should start with a new pair of gloves for that new group. And I, if you're going handling cows, I would pre-spray them first to stop your glove from spreading from cow to cow. You wipe it off. You do a batch of four or six, strip them, spray them, strip them, wipe them. Cups on. Ideally, dip the clusters before you put them onto this group. If you could, if you could, like if you get the time, it would be well worth it. And you have your clusters on. You probably have the, the cluster movers on manual, so you'll be just keeping an eye on them because it's usually one row. And you'll go down along your 10 or your 15 or your 20 cows, whatever's in a row. But I, I think where the real win for this group is using the barrier dip, like we said earlier, in this group, where you'd physically dip the teats after milking with the cup and that's putting an after so the reason I, I like with, it, with that group is there's Odeme in the other the teats can't close you have not freshly calved cows you have not when you milk them and they go back out to the cubicle they're leaky away and milk mad afterwards mm-hmm. you know because their teats are so open they'd be milk leaky away on the cubicles and these are only for a couple of days after the calf whereas that barrier dip will just help mitigate and pick you up anything and, and the teats itself Okay, and uh, Dan, I suppose uh, we've been talking about it with some of the groups there in the last few days, what you're talking about there, and in the larger herds in particular now, uh, look, and I think everything is relative, to be honest now, so it doesn't really matter, but the the, the idea of maybe having to dip a lot of these cows uh, is is perplexing them, <laughs> that's how I'd probably put it. So they're wondering about, could you get away with spraying them? So have you any comment on that? Yeah, definitely. There's no doubt about it. If if the post spraying was done right, adequately, like doing the four seconds to apply the 15 mils, if it's done right, I would say it's nearly as good. It's it's, it's nearly there. I'd say you're not just looking at the physics of it. It physically couldn't be as good because that creamy nature of the dip to sticker. No, I no what to back this up like, but. You know, just as anecdotal coming back. And I can see the lads, if you're on a 60 bale rotary, they might have, I don't know, 40 or 50. They might keep it to one row, you know, one circle of the thing. And to be honest, Stuart, a lot of this is, if you've put, like, it's it's a bit like calf score. If you would score last year, you'll do the devil and all to get rid of the calf score this year. Whereas if you would mastitis last year, and a fella knows that the dip is going to work, a couple of cases of mastitis had an awful lot more time than dipping Cups. It, it's 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 up to me. Will the post spraying be as good? It de- if it's done right, it'll definitely be very close to it. Will it be hundred percent hard to see it? I would yeah. say to farmers, if they find themselves running into a bit of batter, if they're running into trouble and they get two or three cases of messages because they usually come together, well, it's something they can lean off the shelf and say, "Look, lads, we better go dipping these for a couple of days and see will that help control it." You know, with the cup. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, like, effectively, it's probably one of the poorest done jobs in the milking parlour is the teeth spraying. So that's why you're emphasising that it needs to get the adequate time, which is somewhere in around four seconds per cow. Uh, and that 15 mils then come into the drop. But at the same time, it's still not going to to replicate what the barrier dip is doing in terms of the thickness as, of it, as you said, and actually drying on and sealing the, the, the quarter. And that's why you're pushing that in particular then. Yeah. And I, I would use it two ways, Stuart. I'd say to people if they're, look, if you're reticent about doing it, go post-tipping, make sure you post-tip right. And if it doesn't work for you, fungi, oh my God, we're getting a bit of a outbreak here. Well, you have the barrier dip to fall back on then. If, if you're a, of a mentality, say, look, I just don't want hassle. I want to clear on it. I want to give myself a fighting chance and everything. We'll go dipping on that group from the very start. You know, so we would have, I would have gone to calls with strepubris outbreaks, which is the main one you'll get in the spring. The staff will come later on. And I'd get them to dip the whole herd for about a week, physically barrier dip them. There are many fellas will do it for you because it's, cows just don't like it until they get used to it. Yeah. And, um, but, to, to a man and woman, like, have come back, have been very positive about its ability to stop the infection spreading. In its tracks, effectively, like. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I think it's it's probably as much uh, teeth condition as it is doing the barrier. Because the, everyone comments on the condition of the teeth. They get a smooth, like, a two-quality award winners there now in one particular group last week we were in. And they, I made this comment to them. They said, yeah, they've been at it the last five or six years, just particularly that bunch. And they're absolutely delighted with it. Delighted okay. with it. Um, I suppose the, ju- just about the work associated with it, Dan, like before we move on to the last step of it, the, like there's a huge investment in time here now, isn't there? Like this row is going to take 20 minutes, 25 minutes. It is, and, and and it is going, so this row now, say, if you take for, it will take, it, it it will, depending on the numbers, let's say we'll take a 20 unit now for argument, that row is going to take 20, 25 minutes. And and the point, I suppose, about this bunch is what I'm seeing is where we're getting a lot of this strep mastitis in that bunch, is if if you can offset a case or two of mastitis with draft air out, trying to treat her, trying to watch her, that's the win. And, and is that investment worth the win? So really what it is, is I'm going to be 10 or 15 minutes with that row anyway, because there'll probably be colostrum buckets. There'll be some going to a dump line if I have it. There's pipes have to be shifted. There's heifers have to be there. You know what I mean? That, that It's it's a line that's like, so there's an extra investment of 10 minutes. And I suppose that's what you have to weigh up in your own head. Is it worth it? Yeah. To me, probably is. I think it is. Like if, you know, I, I think it's a I think it's an investment that's worth doing, you know. So it goes back to the old saying, a stitch in time saves nine. Yeah, it is. And, and look, so the reason we're talking like this is because anecdotally we're losing the battle a bit. And farmers know this themselves. They can see the thing slipping. We can see it in the stats. And from us looking at the data and what we're seeing out there, we're coming back with a kind of a prescription to help mitigate against this. You know, these are the... We had a very good February last year. If you think of it, it was a record February, the driest February on record. And then we went into the, one of the probably the wettest matches in April, a long time, you know. Yeah. And the wheels came off the wagon a little bit, like, when we came back. And, and farmers, when they think back themselves, they'll realise that themselves. It was difficult, very difficult. 
Yeah, of course. There, I, I often hear lads say that they think March is the hardest month because you've so much going on that you've cows calving, you've freshly cows calved, or freshly freshly calved cows, and then trying to get in and out to grass. And then, like you said there, when you throw the weather in on top of it, then you've a lot of cows that are milking still have cows calving. So there's a lot going on. So something slips in that kind of a situation, and you're on the back foot straight away. Like you are. It is, isn't it? Isn't it that? Paddy's day, Paddy's weekend, it really, whatever it is, it's like flicking a switch and the wheels can come off the wagon very quick because yeah. it was everywhere. High infection rate, mild weather, with humidity then on top of that, tiredness of the operators and their and the people helping them. And it can make things very, very tricky, very, yeah, very difficult. Yeah. And if weather then goes against you on top of it, that is really the pinch point. You know, where everything, you know, where everything, so... You're looking at it, and I find, Stuart, if you get a system in place at the start, it's easy to keep it going. Whereas if 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 you're trying to lift that and put that into the system when you're up to high dough anyway, yeah, it's a good point. Practical, then, yeah. you can't you can't add something to something that's full to the brim anyway. Yeah, that yeah, it's a very good point. Yeah, so like by okay, you're busy now, but like it, um, you're in the routine of doing the routine effectively. Yeah. Is what you're saying. So, like, if you, for a lot of fellas, there are probably two rows, maybe going on to their third row now, irrespective yep. of scale, because it's all yep. proportional. Yes. Like, you're probably an hour milking cows at the moment for this week, 10 days, give or take. No, it's, it's no, a fellow might be three quarters now, but you start adding five or 10 minutes onto it. No, there's some plausibility to it. And you can, you know, you can make it happen. And then it, when it becomes part of a routine, it's just easier to maintain. That's that's what I found with with seeing it. Whereas you start asking people to do this in Paris, Day and they're looking at you and they're saying, "Holy God, man, we can't only keep the whole show on the road." Not the point. So adding this on top of it. Yeah, yeah. Still in trouble. Yeah, yeah. So the last step then, Dan, um, of that of that program, we'll call it for the early lactation management, is the CMT test. A, prob- a very simple tool, uh, probably underutilized and undervalued. Um, so what are you suggesting in relation to that? What should people be doing with it? Well, it's probably undervalued beca- because, number one, people don't know about it and they can't, they find it very difficult to interpret it. You know, that's one thing to do it. So what I would say is persevere with it and ch- check them. So you, when are you checking them is the first question is probably day four, day five, when they're about to go into the tank. So you're doing day four, day five with the paddle. Um, and then you're trying, you're identifying issues. What, what I find is if you, if you did see something in the paddle and you're not unsure about reading it, is taking a sample from the four quarters and sending them into the quap to get a cell count on them. You put down your own marker yourself, what you think they're at, and the quarter that you think, and see will the cell count back it up. It's just it's a it's an easy way just to get yourself going. Now some people are very proficient at it, and it's again it's getting into the habit of it. Is if you're doing twos and threes every day, you know, as they're going to the tank, checking them and keeping log them, it's not a big it's not as big a deal. Whereas yeah. like if, if you've 20, 30, 40 after calving, you now you say, "Geez, where do I start now?" You know, you just chip away and and try a few of them, I suppose. From interpreting, if you are able to interpret it, if you see a cow is particular heifers high in three or four quarters, don't be worried about that. That's stress-induced. And give her a week, 10 days, she'll be back perfect. 
um, if the pedal shows up high in one quarter and they were low last year, I would treat it with, I'd, I'd watch it for another couple of days first. But if it's still showing the same pattern, I would treat it with an intermammary or something like that. If they were high last year, they've got a dry coat tube and that quarter is still showing high this year. You're talking about shutting that quarter down or calling the coat if you, if that's the option. Yeah, and talk talk to me a little bit more about the calling the quarter type scenario. Now, there, than just um, when are we recommending to do that, or what? What's your thinking behind that? Then, yeah, like it's it's a case of stop milking it. But I, to be honest, my own opinion is once I've identified that quarter, that's high quarter, and she was a problem co last year, problem co this year. Realistically, I will be milking that co as a four quarter co until I'm out full time. Um, at grass, like at grass. Yeah. Because that quarter leaking on the cubes, which it will, that's the nature. She'll bag up and she's going to, and when it comes to base yet at grass, then, and I know I'm out full time, like Pablo or the vet in Moor Park or vet in Moor Park would also say, you just literally stop milking it. Just literally stop milking it. We would, I would have had a number of clients that would milk it once every two days, that quarter, um, just to try and wind it down and stop, make sure she didn't get sick from it. Pablo would say, there's no reason why, just stop milking it. And he, he said, and he's, he's probably, and he's right. Yeah, so I suppose just to, to clarify on that then, Dan, are, are you saying that I milk him away, so was the four quarter cow until you, you're at grass full time effectively and then start shutting down. So that could be a month, it could be two weeks, depending on where you're located. Some people are fortunate enough that they're able to get out very quickly and be out day and night. And uh, in that type of a scenario, you'd be happy enough that they can, shut those down fairly quickly and, and just mark them up to make sure that they don't get milked and like if they do the cell count will just get a, a, a big bang basically but um, it's it's a, a low cost in intervention method really in a way to and you retain the cow yeah so you're trying to exactly sort you're trying to you, you'll knock the season out of her so you're doing three things you're controlling her cell count you're controlling her as a source of spread uh, and you're a lot, you're gaining a year's lactation then out of this cow. You know, so like if I shut down four quarters and four cows, that's only equivalent to one quarter gun, one cow gun instead of four cows gun. So you can see as a management tool, it's a way of, of getting, no, you can't have heard of three quarter cows, but it is a short term fix to getting you out of, getting you over hump. Some people will be in derogation, question marks, and, and are these cows that should be shut down at the moment? That, that's what you have to weigh up in your own facility. But drawing the quarter off while there's a, a risk that you could be in by night and out by day, the way the weather could go and all this, you want to be very, very careful of drawing those quarters off in that scenario. You really need to be very confident that I am going day and night. I'm hitting country now. For some people with stocking rates and stuff, that could be the 10th of March. Yeah. Every farm is different, you know, yeah, exactly yeah. like you said. Yeah. Yeah. So I suppose to sum it up, so then you're talking one, create that fresh cow group ideally. Um, depending on when you're milking them, you're looking at disinfecting the clusters, maybe if especially well, if they're being milked before the main group, as you said, there are people going feeding calves while cows have been milked and so forth, depending on help available, etc. You definitely need to disinfect the clusters before you start milking the main group. You need to change or, or disinfect at least or ideally change gloves when you're handling that fresh cow group. 
Um, so start with a clean pair of gloves every milking effectively if you're if they're, if they're being milked first or swat, change them at the end of the milking of the main group you're pre-spraying with your teeth spray and drying with the disposable towels and inspecting for signs of mastitis and then uh, you're using the barrier dip at the end and just before they go into the tank then you're talking about using the CMT test to identify it to make sure that they're okay and effectively then what that's doing is like that's your insurance policy you know obviously cows can still pick up infections once they go into the main group as well but like if you catch them at that fourth fifth day as you said there and you take your your action at that point so whether it's a tube or whether you leave them run on for a couple of days we'll say from the stress point of view which is a non-infective type uh, somatic cell count which wouldn't be a big issue but by catching them at that point you're effectively taking control of cell count rather than letting cell count take control of you is that a fair summation of it? Exactly. That's yeah, bang on. Yeah, you're dead right. And like that's an important line you put you're taking control of the situation. That's a very good way of putting it, rather than letting it take control of you. And and the really what you're two we are really saying, Stuart, is though the effort we're putting in now, and there's a lot of effort now going on, I'm not underestimating what people are going through now, even at the moment. But it's just looking ahead to the tenth of March, fifteenth of March, twenty March when it really comes like the clappers, like, you know, you know, like that it will stand to you then. That's the real win in this. They were able to cope with it. And that's like the message we're saying now. If you put in a little bit of work now, that when it comes to it then in March, if you do hit a bit of a wobble, you have the wherewithal to get on top of it. Yeah, so effectively, like, as we said, you're, you're investing the time now to save the time into the future and there's also reducing the infection pressure that's around there because there will still it's not like we're going to eliminate mastitis completely but you're just making bringing it down to a manageable level effectively yeah if like if you can get the ones instead of the trees and fours you know yeah. that's like that's a great point you make we're not saying we're going to get mastitis when you're, while we're making colds we'll have mastitis but it's to it's to keep it to a manageable level that you could say, Jesus, you know, I can keep a lid in this thing. But it's it's the twos, threes, fours, and there's one out, there's another one, and there's another one, and there's another one. You feel you're on a merry-go-round. Yeah, constantly cows out, yeah. 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 You're trying to watch cows with antibiotics and mastitis and Jesus, you know, the, the, the next thing what you notice is where the, the, the group, the fresh cow group is getting bigger and bigger because <laughs> the antibiotic cows are in there. Yeah. You know, and you'd see that. Yeah, yeah. That's that said. And the other thing is, getting smaller, it's bigger. The other thing is the stress that it actually, like you said, there now, a cow, a cow out, another cow out, another cow out, and people actually get nervous then about maybe letting somebody else milk. They're locked into milking themselves because they're afraid of this constantly. Then they just get burnt out completely. Then they do, and, and like I noticed there when fellas, and it's a great point you make, fellas that. Go through a, a bad mastitis or cell count problem, they co- and they all come through the other end. Every fella will say, no, or lady, they'll never mention the financial cost. They'll all min- mention the mental stress of it. Yeah. It wrecks their head. It takes the enjoyment out of milking. Their head is on their hooks. No one else can milk only themselves. Worried about antibiotics. They just, the enjoyment has gone out of milking. I, I'm talking about extreme scenarios now, but you can see how easily it can develop, like, and, uh, it really is. It's a, it's a devil of a thing when it gets on top of you. And it's the mental stresses. Uh, the mental stresses can't be understated. Yeah. 
Right, Dan, I'd say we better wrap it at that. Um, it's a good synopsis of what people can do. And uh, to be fair, I know from talking to people that they actually listen to this while they're lying in the cubicle. So hopefully they'll get a, an extra bit of a boost in terms of what they're doing um, when they're do- listening to this one today. Uh, so thanks very much for joining us there, Dan. And we look forward to maybe picking up with you again later in the season about cell count. And hopefully we'll be in a much better position than we have been in previous years on the back of that advice. So thanks very much, Dan. Thanks, Joe. That's all for this week's episode of the Dairy Age Podcast and my thanks to John Crowley for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chogs website at chogas.ie. I'm Stuart Childs and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.